are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt, coming to you on July 19th of 2022. Going to go over our first half division breakdown, and we'll talk a little bit about the Home Run Derby All-Star Game and MLB Draft that happened uh, over the weekend and actually the game on as we're recording this right now. But before we get to all that, how you doing, Matt? Doing pretty good. I um, had a pretty good week and uh, just uh, hanging out and uh, watching some a little bit of the all-star festivities. You know, I, I've always felt like the all-star game's cool, but, you know, it's I'm, it's a little bit, you know, I feel like at times it can be a little bit overrated, but it, I had a lot of fun with it this year. I think it's been a, been a pretty good event. Uh, we'll, uh, can't wait for actual baseball to start back on Thursday, though. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been fun watching the league. The home run derby was electric. I loved that derby last night. Um, the draft was pretty fun, but out of all the all star games through all the divi- or all the leagues and whatever, I do feel that baseball still has the best one. It's the most competitive, at least. Yeah. Uh, outside of the MLB and the NBA or the NFL and NBA, where they just don't defend at all. Yeah, and it, and it's pretty cool with. Uh, with the all-star game this year, you know, the last few years they've done been doing the in-game interviews with players. I kind of like that. I think this year is the first time I've ever seen them do one with a pitcher while he's pitching. I thought that was actually pretty fun. I, I know some people didn't like it, but I thought it was pretty cool. So, Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool too with when, uh, what Manoa was doing there. Manoa, but, yeah. But let's go Struck ahead. And, and, <laughs> yeah, he did. Hit, hit McNeil. Uh, yeah, backfoot but, slider that John Smoltz yeah, decided Smoltz, to call like, from the backfoot slider, and then he threw a backfoot slider and it hit him on the back foot. So it hit him on the front foot actually, but yeah. Anyways, either way, yeah. Uh, well, let's go ahead and just kind of look at the MLB draft a little bit. I know most people aren't going to care that much about it, but it uh, it's an event that they've been making bigger over the last couple years. They put it on All Star Weekend now, um, first and second rounds being on uh, Sunday. Uh, we had first pick Jackson Holiday, son of Matt Holiday. Second pick Andrew Jones, son of should be Hall of Famer at, or Andrew Jones. Um, and then we had a, a kind of curious third pick. Yeah. Uh, first off, congrats to Jackson Holiday and Drew Jones. Um, also, Tamar Johnson, Elijah Green were guys that you know went four and five that were projected up there and top high school guys. And and it's so cool to see these high school kids. You know. Um, a lot of there's a lot of talk, especially this week, about the, the minor league pay and everything. But these kids, you know, the pick values, slot values are six and a half million and up for these picks. So they just overnight became multimillionaires at eight, at 17, 18 years old. That's really cool for them. Um, of course, uh, Jackson Holiday, son of, uh, you know, like you said, son of Matt Holiday and good shortstop prospect. I really like him. Drew Jones is a little bit more of a riskier prospect, but he's got the highest upside in the draft. And but man, that number three pick, I I didn't understand it when it happened, but it made a little bit of sense as the draft went on with some of the guys that the Rangers were able to get later in the draft because of the money they saved. But uh, Kumar Rocker went number three, and um, you know he was a guy that went top ten to the Mets last year. Um, I think he went number 10 to the Mets. Yeah, I, I know it was 10. the Mets, but uh, he had some medical concerns. Uh, they didn't like his elbow, and he withheld some medical information. And then he ended up needing shoulder surgery, which honestly, shoulder injuries are worse than elbow injuries when evaluating draft prospects nowadays. Because, you know, you look at that elbow injury, and they think, think, oh, you can get Tommy John, and just about everybody that gets Tommy John comes back fully from it. But, um, 
you know, nowadays, uh, shoulder injuries are going to be a little bit more tricky. So, uh, but he went number three, um, to the Rangers, but they saved enough money to go grab a guy who was considered the top high school, um, pitching prospect and they cut him in the fourth round. So, cause of the money they saved with, uh, that under slot. So the draft can be kind of weird, um, with, with, you know, slot values and stuff. And of course, all these guys that got picked today, with the exception of maybe one or two, we won't see for a few years in the major leagues. I think Kumar might actually be a guy that gets up there uh, to the upper levels and, and the major leagues next year, and as well as um, you know maybe a couple of the relievers that got picked later on, like maybe Cooper Jerpy and uh, Ben Joyce, the Tennessee uh, flamethrower that got picked in the second or third round. So, uh, but th- definitely a lot of fun. Congrats to everybody who got drafted. Um, some cool strategy. It's a lot of fun to watch. There's a lot more strategy to it than other drafts. So uh, it was definitely interesting. Yeah, because it's not one where you're going to have these guys up right away, you know, like you're mentioning. It's going to be years away. So to see the way that teams draft um, and the players they do to, you know, because it's not like the NFL or the NBA where they have basically a set value for each pick and you sign that contract. Like the pick will have like eight and a half million, but you can only, you could sign them to like, Five million and save that money, which the Rangers did with Kumar Rocker, and then overpay somebody later on. So it is pretty interesting to watch it, and, and I do like that they've moved it to All Star Week. I know I've seen some flack of that, but it kind of makes the event feel a little bit more, I don't know, hyped up. Like I, most people didn't used to care about the MLB draft because you're not going to see these guys for you know two, three, four years even. Um, so most people didn't really care. They're just like, we'll just figure it out when our team has the prospects and then figure out when they were drafted and stuff like that. But yeah, it, it's a love hate for me. You know, every, some of these guys, it, it's unfortunate. It's, it's good for some of them too, because you know, used to the draft was going on during the college uh, postseason. Yeah. So, you know, that was kind of tough. These kids could, you know, fully embrace the whole draft, but now, you know, it really does put college coaches in a bind because it's so late that they don't know who, the, who's going to be coming back to their team or, or which high school players are going to go to college. So it's kind of uh, it could be tough, but uh, for from MLB standpoint, I think it's pretty cool. You know, we'll see when these guys are able to get the rookie ball um, or, or short season ball uh, when that might happen. But uh, this is the first year they've done this, so but uh, definitely definitely a cool event. Uh, congrats to everybody who got drafted. Some pretty cool stories there. Actually, one one more, one more note. I saw a kid got drafted today that was a running back for Oklahoma State that had found a. Uh, that had watched some YouTube videos on how to pitch during the pandemic. And he actually got drafted today as a pitcher. He's throwing like mid nineties on the mound. I thought that was a pretty cool one. That just, there's stories like that that you see all, all through the draft. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I know. I had a kid drafted from Bakersfield. That would, it threw me off. We were actually in the chat together when it happened. Yeah. I didn't even know that was even a thing. And then uh, they said it and it caught me off guard and actually ends up that I know his dad. Um, Oddly enough, we used to, I used to race at, the the track over here when he was racing uh, so that's pretty cool anyways not gonna blabble on too much about that but let's go ahead and move on to the home run derby and we'll wrap this one up and then get to the to the breakdown but the home run derby was last night was uh had you know some big names you had ronald acuna pete alonzo kyle schwarber albert pujols was in it and uh the guy who pretty much told the show was rookie sensation julio rodriguez yeah Julio Rodriguez was incredible. Um, you know, he hit over 30 home runs in his first two, um, you know, in his first two uh, two rounds. And the third round is shorter, and he still hit like 20, even though it wasn't enough. 
Um, I, I thought the home run derby was really fun. Julio Rodriguez was, was awesome at 21 years old, just showing off his talents. Albert Pujols was, was really fun to watch him uh, come out and win his first round matchup against the, major, against the National League leader in home runs, and Kyle Schorber. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Uh, Pete Alonso got dethroned finally, and uh, Juan Soto ended up, who's been in the news a lot, um, ended up. In fact, next week will be the week we talk about Juan Soto, probably for like half the show. But yeah, um, he um, he ended up winning uh, winning the Derby. You know, I, I think it's kind of there's some things I don't like about the format for the Derby now. I think that it puts a lot of more on the pitcher than on the hitter. Because obviously the hitter needs to hit home runs, but you know if your pitcher's throwing th- throws a bad pitch, you know you end up not you're not able to take it because it's timed now. You know instead of being able to take bad pitches, so you're just kind of having to swing at everything. And uh, if your pitcher's not throwing good pitches, you don't have a chance. And um, you know I, I don't the round format's kind of to me I, I don't know. I mean Juan Soto hit like half the amount of home runs that uh, Julio Rodriguez did, but he won the Derby. I mean I think that's kind of goofy, but either way it was a lot of fun. It's, the event's not really about who wins it; it's about the guys showing off their talents and uh, you know having some fun. So I thought it was a really cool event. Yeah, it was really cool, and um, you know to see a guy like Julio Rodriguez go out there and just people didn't know what really to expect from him, and he you know, went off and there were some good matchups in there. You know, the, the Schwarber pools matchup that went to overtime and then they had to have another, or, you know, the swing off for extra time and Pujols hit like seven and then Schwarber couldn't match. That it was pretty fun. Um, and then who was the, was it Soto versus who's his first matchup? Soto. Um, trying to remember. Was oh, Jose Ramirez. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jose Ramirez. And then, you know, he did – he hit uh, beat Jose Ramirez before even bonus time and, like, threw the bat. And there was just cool moments throughout the whole thing. Um, and I really – it was probably one of the most enjoyable home run derbies for me, at least in the past, like, five to six years. Um, I felt like it kind of started losing its luster a little bit. And they got a lot more of the star players out there this year. And it, it fun storylines throughout and just watching guys, um, you know, in that part, I do kind of like the round format just because it's head to head. You have to beat somebody. So it makes it the puts pressure on the first guy to hit as many as he can, then pressure on the second guy to match that. Um, but I do understand the time limit thing because Julio Rodriguez's pitcher was a machine, just pitched it in the same place the, every time. And all the other guys were kind of wild all over the place. So overall, though, it was a really fun event. And I, I felt it was a, a perfect kind of thing with the draft into that and then leading into the actual all star game that's happening right now. Um, it just kind of seemed to flow perfectly. Yeah, it did. And, uh, you know, I, obviously the All-Star game going on now, but there's been some cool stuff already early on. I mean, um, you had, uh, you know, John Carlos Stanton hit an absolute tank that kind of was reminiscent of the home run that he hit uh, that went out of the ballpark a few years ago. That was pretty cool. Uh, they actually, they interviewed uh, Alec Manoa while he was pitching. And he struck out the side with a hit by pitch in there. That was kind of fun uh, because John Smoltz told him to throw a back foot slider and then he hit him on the foot. Uh, so, um, but uh, that was a lot of fun, um, you know, and obviously the game's still going on. So there's not a ton of takeaways we can get. Um, but, um, you know, Kershaw started the game too, which I'm sure for a lot of people was fun. I thought Sandy Alcantara should start it. I'm always somebody who believes in, you know, if you deserve to start the game, then you should be the one starting it. But, you know, Kershaw is really good, and I'm sure that, that was a great moment. And, and, you know, the fans out in L.A. loved that. So, um, But, 
yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a good event so far this year. Definitely, I think one of the better ones recently. Um, we've had some pretty lackluster All Star games recently. I think this one's been pretty fun. So, so I'm gonna take a little bit of props for calling the Kershaw thing a couple weeks ago before it was a mainstream thing. Yeah. So I want to call that one, but I, I did find it pretty uh, pretty interesting that they had interviewed Otani before he went up. Tom Verducci did and asked him like, "Hey, what are you gonna do?" And he's like, "A first pitch." first uh swing first pitch or whatever and that was like through the stadium and then he got a hit on it and yeah. then Ker- and then kershaw picked him off yeah i mean <laughs> that was pretty cool. um yeah the whole uh i don't think otani was especially expecting pickoff throws in the all-star no, game but um i uh i don't really understand hey he, kershaw wasn't the only one to throw a pickoff throw in fact musgrove threw over when otani walked in a second at bat so um i guess he was just kind of messing with him but um yeah. anyways but we'll uh We'll move on now and uh, go into our breakdown. So, yeah, let's go ahead and we'll uh, we'll start in the AL East uh, and with the Yankees leading this division still at sixty four and twenty eight over the Tampa Bay Rays at fifty one and forty three thirteen games back. You got the Toronto Blue Jays in third at fifty and forty three fourteen and a half games back. Uh, the Red Sox at forty eight and forty five sixteen and a half games back. And bringing up the bottom of this, of this division, you got the Baltimore Orioles at forty six and forty six eighteen games back. How about those Orioles? Yeah, the Orioles have been really good lately. Um, it's uh, It's been a lot of fun to watch them. I don't really think that they have any shot at the postseason, unless they trade for Soto. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, they, they've been a, they've honestly been a real well-balanced team offensively. Um, you know, they've had good contributions from everybody. Uh, Cedric Mullins leads the way in wins above replacement, uh, even though people have been talking about how bad he was this year and how it was, he was so much worse than he has been. Well, he's put up two wins above replacement in the first half. Uh, it's, he's not quite been the hitter this year that he was last year, but he's still been a league average hitter, but the defense and base running has been really good. 19 stolen bases for him. Uh, Austin Hayes has had a bit of a breakout year. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle has been similar to what he was last year. He's been solid. Uh, but the big thing too, is that, you know, Adley Rutschman coming up, he hadn't completely gotten going yet, but, uh, he's looked really good. Uh, all of his peripherals make it and analytics make it look like he's going to just absolutely take off in the second half. He's had some bad luck so far, but, uh, he's already been worth 1.3 war in 46 games. But above league average hitter with the horrible luck he's had, and he's uh, he's actually been a really good base runner too. Um, you know he's been po- positive in the metrics of base running. Uh, Jorge Mateo's actually been pretty good for them. Uh, insane defensively, nine point seven defensive value on Fangraphs, and uh, he's already stolen twenty two bases. So that's been pretty fun, even though uh, the bat is uh, just not good at all. Uh, but the pitching's been solid for them. Um, you know, they've had some guys you've never heard of do pretty well. Uh, Tyler Wells has been good. Jordan Lyles has actually been pretty good. Um, Jorge Lopez has been great out of the bullpen. He's their all-star. Um, and, uh, you know, they've, they've had some pretty good outcomes there. And it's been a lot of fun to watch them. And, they, and they, you know, with their farm system so good, they might get some more reinforcements in the second half. I wouldn't be totally shocked to see Gunnar Henderson, the, the way he's played at AAA. And uh, honestly, it's really unfortunate too that Grayson Rodriguez got injured early in the season because I think he would he would probably be up by now and uh, give him relief. A guy who I think is going to make an instant impact when he gets up to the big leagues, and I think he's going to be a future ace. Yeah, Grayson Rodriguez is is really good. I wouldn't be surprised to see DL Hall come up soon. Yeah. I mean, he's been crushing it down there as well. Um, Gunnar Henderson, like you mentioned, but that that 
farm system's just so loaded. They're the ones that drafted Jackson Holiday as well. Um, it's going to be a really interesting team to watch the next couple weeks because they've been so hot. They've pushed this 500 record. You know, they're in contention for a wild card spot. I think, what are they, like three and a half games out or something? Yeah. But you're probably going to look at them as a team who still sells at the deadline, um, sells some of their pieces. And I, I'm not totally against that. Like, I do think you're a couple years away, at least a year away, from really competing. So they're going to be a team interesting to watch at the deadline for sure. But it's been really fun to watch them go on, I think it was a 12-game win streak. Yeah. Um, and then they lost their last one before they, uh, before the break. But, you know, a team that most people were thinking would compete for 50 wins, maybe 60 wins. I mean, they're 46 and 46 right now at the break. So it's a real feel-good story for Oriole fans and, and a team that's been really fun to watch, like you mentioned. Um, but looking at the, the rest of this, you know, division with the Yankees leading up there, I mean, they've just been the runaway team, been so good in every facet of the game. Um, you know, Aaron judge what leading the league in homers. Um, you've got good offensive contributions from John Carlos Stanton. Um, Jose Trevino, who is one of their all-stars has been really good for them as well. Kind of a breakout for people, you know, at catcher, nobody expected him to be this good. Uh, Matt Carpenter has been a guy who's been insane for them. Um, you know, after basically falling out of the league, signing to minor league contracts, and then now getting a shot with the Yankees, and you think he's hit 13 homers already this season in like less than 100 plate appearances or something crazy yeah. like that. Um, but they're just running away with this. And then Tampa's usually really, – they're really good. I mean, 10 games over 500, but the Yankees just look unstoppable right now. Yeah, the Yankees, uh, I mean, there's not too much you can say. The only thing about the Yankees that I will say is – that they are a team with uh, the profile that they have. There is a chance that they could go on a slump at some point. And they just, I mean, obviously they've built a big enough lead that's probably not going to matter regular season. But there are some holes on this roster that need to be filled for the postseason. You've got struggling, uh, you know, you probably need a corner outfielder, you know, with Joey Gallo struggling like he has. You never know. if I mean, I, talk, I defended Aaron Hicks last week, but you never know when he might get injured. Um, and then I think the starting pitching, some of their guys that, that were really having great years to start off, kind of cooling off. Nestor Cortez has been cooling off. Jamison tyon has been cooling off. Jordan Montgomery is a pretty good number three guy. And then Severino's gotten injured. So, um, and, and, you know, Garrett Cole is your ace, and he's going to be your ace, and he's a really great pitcher. But some of these guys have cooled off a little bit. And, and also, Roldis Chapman came back and has looked awful. So, um you know, there's some, there's some, there's some places they could even get better on this team. But uh, look, looking at the rest of this division, these, these are the, these three teams are the, some of the most interesting in the AL because they're all really real wild card contenders. The Blue Jays, uh, I think they're going to be fine. They actually fired their manager this week, um, which was interesting. Um, they just, they seem like a team that that just needs a kick, and that might be something that gives them a kick a little bit. But um, they should be fine. Um, the Rays are interesting. The Rays have dealt with a lot of injuries, and the fact that they're still 51 and 41, when they get some of their guys back, it's going to be really, really tough to beat the Rays. I mean, you're looking at a team that, you know, they've missed. They're missing Wander Franco again, and they've been missing him a lot this year. Um, you know, he, he's going to come back at some point before the end of the season, and you know, this is a team you could look out for if they, you know, when they sneak into the wild card. Their pitching's really good. Uh, in fact, that you know, a shout out to Corey Kluber, who's been incredible this year. Um, you know, a, a 373 ERA, a 342 FIP. Uh, he's been really, really good, and he stayed healthy most of the year. And then Shane McClanahan started the All Star game tonight, 
It's been incredible. He actually had a bad outing in the All-Star game. but uh, And then the last team here, uh, the team that's really struggling is the Red Sox. And I think that pitching is finally catching up to him. And in fact, Chris Sell is back on the IL again. Yeah, he returned and got hit with the line drive on his pitching hand. Ended up breaking, I think it was his pinky, um, and had to undergo surgery um, to get that fixed. But And they just lost Trevor Story to the IL um, right before the break as well. So they're a team that, I mean, they have all the talent too. It just they need to get something in there with that pitching staff to kind of help them bump, uh, you know, bump up this that rotation for a potential playoff run. But like you mentioned, I mean, this whole division above five hundred, and I think we said it was going to be one of the most competitive divisions coming into the year, yeah. and it's lived up to every every bit of that. And I mean, you could say anyone from Boston, you know, up they can be true playoff contenders. Yeah, for sure. So, but let's go ahead and move over to the American League Central, where we have the Minnesota Twins at fifty and forty-four, leading the division. We got the Guardians at forty-six and forty-four, two games back. Again, then you got the Chicago White Sox at forty-six and forty-six, at three games back. Then you got Detroit at thirty-seven and fifty-five, twelve games back, and then Kansas City at thirty-six and fifty-six, thirteen games back. Yeah, so uh, looking at the Central, uh, the Twins are hanging out, hanging in there. Um, it's not been pretty, but they're they're they've been able to, to hang out at the top. Um, they've got a really good lineup. Byron Buxton, he's been really really good. He's actually been extremely unlucky still. He's only got a two sixteen average, but a two twenty five batting average on balls in play for him. And uh, his approach is actually better than it ever has been. He's and he's hitting the ball a long way. So lots of extra base hits. Uh, and obviously with him, you talk about great defense and base running as well. Uh, Luis Arias has been one of the breakout stars this year. Uh, hit 338 on the year. Doesn't strike out. Um, and he's he's actually, uh, you know, he's actually got a 450 slugging percentage. A lot of that related to the, the high average, but still uh, 148 WRC plus. Um, you know, and looking down the lineup, Max Kepler has been really good for them. Jorge Polanco has been good for them as usual. Carlos Correa has been really good. He's dealt with some injuries this year, but he's been really solid. Trevor Larnock has been good. Uh, this whole lineup's been pretty solid. Uh, and then pitching-wise, they've been a little bit better at the top than we kind of expected. Sonny Gray's been really good, and uh, Joe Ryan's had a great year so far. But um, they really need some help in that pitching. The bullpen's been really bad, and they've had pitching injuries too. Uh, Chris Paddock being out most of the years hurt, but uh, you know they they need they need to add some pieces, and they have the they have the depth in their farm system to maybe add a couple pieces at the deadline, but. Uh, you know, looking down at the Guardians, um, they've they're another team that they're they're a pretty average team. They've they've got a lot of holes. They're a good team that has a lot of holes. I mean, their infield, Jose Ramirez, uh, Andres Jimenez, and Ahmed Rosario have all been really good. Jose Ramirez has been incredible. He's an MVP candidate as he always is. But uh, you know, and Andres Jimenez has had a breakout year. Ahmed Rosario has been solid. Uh, Stephen Kwan's quietly kept himself as a really good player. Definitely a, a great on-base guy. A, a, really a prototypical leadoff guy. Something you don't really see that much in the in the, uh, in the majors anymore. 361 on-base percentage for him as a rookie. Uh, really solid. Josh Naylor has been good for them. But uh, pitching-wise, I mean, they got Shane Bieber has been fantastic. But, um, you know, their bullpen, they, they, they always find a way to scrap together some pitching. Tristan McKenzie's been good. Uh, they could probably use some help in their rotation and in their bullpen, uh, go behind their, their top guys. Um, you know, they, they, 
they're a team that they, they just they just scream average team to me. Um, so you know, but but in this division, that could be good enough. Yeah, it could be good enough, especially since they're only two games back. You know, they're only two games over five hundred. But like you mentioned, this, this division's not like the AL East at all. Uh, yeah. You know, Minnesota. You never know. I mean, they're three and seven over the last ten. Their pitching has really struggled as of late. Um, you know, Emilio Pagan, who they were using as their closer, just basically got kicked out of that role for Johan Duran, who should have been in, in it to begin yeah. with. Um, but losing Paddock hurt for them. They need to get another arm of some sort in there, um, you know, just to give them some more innings. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see them trade for Michael Pineda again, a guy who, you know, he's on the Tigers this year, but was with Minnesota the years prior and just gave him a nice solid arm to get, get him through five or six innings. Um, so he wouldn't be a guy I would, wouldn't be shocked there. Cleveland, you mentioned, they're just, I mean, they always have good pitching, you know, you know between Bieber, McKenzie, Quantrill's been all right as well as, as a four, number four guy, but Plesak hasn't lived up to what they wanted him to be this year. Savali's been terrible. Um, the bullpen's been really good, but they're just getting Karen check back. He's looked not great since he's returned. Um, so they're really going to need him to round back into form. Um, if they want to, to really make a push for this division. Uh, and then you got the White Sox there at 46 and 46. They just seem to have so much controversy around them right now. They just, I mean, every day we're wondering if this is going to be the day Tony LaRue is fired, and it seems like they're just going to keep him um, through the season. I mean, they have had some good performances. Dylan Cease has looked amazing, a, a 215 ERA this year with a 267 FIP. Um, Hendricks has been good. Johnny Cueto has been actually really good for them as well. Um, Kopech's been pretty decent. Giolito struggled. You really need him. Um, you know, a guy who was looked at as going to be your ace, you need him to kind of turn it around. And then on the offensive side, Jose Abreu has been what you expect. 304 average, 387 on base, so 147 WRC+. plus. Luis Roberts has been really good as well, 301. Uh, on base is down only at 334, but he's not known for that. Um, but a 126 WRC+. plus. Tim Anderson, when he's played, um, he's only got 65 games played, but 121 WRC plus there as well. Um, but some other guys have really struggled. Um, you know, Yohan Moncada hasn't played a lot. He hasn't looked great. Um, Eloy Jimenez hasn't played hardly at all. Uh, I think he got injured again. Um, but overall, I mean, th- this team is a team that we thought would be better, and they're just screaming average now. Yeah, you know, looking at this team, this is a really polarizing team, but I do think that they end up winning this division. They have too much talent. I know that they're struggling, that they've struggled this year, but look at them. They're only four games back, and there are gaping holes on the top two teams, and this team has a lot fewer holes. The rotation's going to be okay. Dylan Cease is, is great. Lance Lynn has not gotten going yet since he came back from the injury, but you know, a lot of that's been a bad luck. I mean, he's got a 750 ERA in his first seven starts, but he's got a 407 xFIP. The the strikeouts are a little down, but he's not walking guys. So, you know, you would expect him to be back to close to decent. Uh, Louis, Lucas Giolito's got a 366 xFIP, even though his ERA and FIP are a lot higher than that. I think he'll end up being okay. There's gonna be there's just a stretch with him. Obviously, like we talked about, Dylan Cease has been great. Uh, bullpen is still pretty solid. Uh, they could use a little bit more depth in that bullpen, I think. They might add that at the deadline. But the lineup, like you said, they've dealt with so many injuries. And they also have dealt with the fact that Riasmani Grandal has not been good. 
And I, I just I have a feeling Yasmani Grandal is going to figure some things out in the second half if he's if he's healthy. I mean, and, and Eloy Jimenez is the same way. I have a feeling he's going to figure things out in the second half. So, um, you know, this team has a lot fewer holes than the top two. I know they got the controversy surrounding them, but it's not like I mean they've played themselves back into being they're three games behind right now. Uh, and, you know, if you look at some of the projection systems, Fangraphs has them at a 55% chance to make the playoffs. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with them. But uh, the other two teams here, the Royals and Tigers, um, I mean, the Royals, you know, I don't want to go in a rant on them, but <laughs> that that franchise, they have got they have got to move on and find some more they got they got a change in there in the way they do things their um you know their ways are, are way their baseball has passed them by they're they're the team that i'm surprised doesn't have tony larusa as their manager uh, we'll put it that way they they really need to figure some things out they need to do a much better job of using analytics and i i know that you know, I think that there's a part, a place for everything. I think there's a place for old school scouting. I think there's a place for analytics. I think there's a place for old school stats. You got to combine all of it. And I think the Royals just look at old school scouting. And you know that trade they made last week, where they traded a draft pick for Drew Waters, is a perfect example of that. I mean, um, you know, you're looking at a guy who doesn't really have that much, you know, statistically to offer, but he looks athletic and he's got a pretty swing. So you trade for him and you give up a chance to re, you know, help rebuild your farm system. I mean, um, there are some good things with the Royals, Vinny Pasquantino, you know, Nick Prado, those guys are going to be good. They do have a good farm. System. Bobby Witts kind of turned it around. Um, you know, that there's a lot of good going on there. And then, uh, you know, looking at the tigers, I mean, it's been a disaster of a year for the tigers. I I've been saying that they were, at, they were getting ahead of themselves buying in the off season, but um, you know, you look at some of the pizza. I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez apparently is nowhere to be found. Um, can't even get a hold they don't of know him. where he is. And, um, you know, hopefully everything's okay with him. Um, but, you know, that uh, Javier Baez has not been good. Um, you know, you look at their, uh, their prospects that have come up. Riley Green is, has had, he's had his moments where he's looked really good. Um, you know, he's been, um, He's been a little inconsistent, but but he's he's got a guy he's got that's going to strike out. I mean, um, but he he's looked pretty good so far. Not hitting for a lot of power yet, but but a 344 on base percentage. He doesn't look overmatched. Spencer Torkelson just looked totally overmatched for the most part. Um, he you know he had negative one WAR, uh, and he just got sent back down to the AAA. So um, there were some things that made you feel like he wasn't totally overmatched, and it was kind of like. You know, maybe he should stay at the big leagues to figure it out a little bit. But um, I don't know if I would have sent him back down. It's not like they're replacing him at the big league level with anybody that should be playing in the field. I mean, I guess they're playing. I don't even know who they're playing at first at this point. But um, they're not playing Miguel Cabrera at first, are they? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The scope might be getting some time there too. Scope playing first. I mean, um, uh, or either Castro way, or something. But. Yeah, either way, like you need to have Torkels to take his lumps at the big league level because it's not like I mean, he's striking out twenty five percent. It's not like he was striking out like forty percent of the time and you know just swinging at everything. It was just totally like his, there was something mechanically messed up or whatever. Um, but uh, their pitching's been really bad outside of Tariq Skubal, who's been really good. So. Um, you know, there has been that one bright spot at Trick Scoobal, uh, how well he's done. But other than that, I mean, this team's just been a disaster this year. So, 
uh, yeah, some of the pitching, I mean, some of the other guys, Andrew Chafin's been good for them. Alex Lang has been really good as well. Um, Joe Jimenez, Michael Fulmer, I mean, gives them pieces that if they want to move at the deadline, they should get some, you know, some decent prospects back for guys like that. Like I fully expect Fulmer, Jimenez, and maybe even Chafin to be moved at the deadline. Um, Gregory Soto has been good as well. He's their all-star this year, but this offense has been awful. I mean, you look at it, yeah. scope is a 56 WRC plus hobby bias, 74. Yeah. Derek Hill, 59, Willie Castro, 80 or 80 Daz Cameron, 91. I mean, they just have not been good at all. Um, as far as Torkelson, I, I think it's going to be a relatively short stint down in there. I, I really think it's just. Hey, we're going to come into the all-star break. Let's put you down there in the minors where they've already had their all-star stuff and it gets you a little bit of confidence. And then in, you know, a week after the, we get back to playing baseball or whatever, we'll call you back up. Just go back down and get, get some games in you get a little bit more confidence down there. Um, just confidence booster at least, and then come back up and, and play there. I, I really wholeheartedly believe that's what they're doing. I don't think it's going to be, hey, we're sending you down until September or anything like that. Yeah, I, I hope so because I, I don't think this isn't a Killinick situation with, yeah. with him. I feel like it's a situation of a guy who is really is, is, is struggling some. There's something mechanically off, probably, but you know it's not like he's just completely overmatched by big league pitching. Like he's had a bad year, but there's definitely, you know, there's definitely room for him to grow at the big league level. It's not like he's so overmatched he can't try at the big league level, especially when you're not contending and you really don't have any shot at. You don't don't really have anybody else to play first base either. I mean, so. Yeah, it's just literally like I said. It's like it's going to be a confidence boost situation there. Like totally for him. but, yeah, they're bad. Uh, Kansas City, I mean, you have a couple pieces that you expect to get moved as well. Andrew Benatendi's been a hot name. Yep. Um, you know, there was a lot of rumors with the AL East teams, but then now that he, it's come out that he's unvaccinated and he can't play in Toronto, I wonder how that's going to hurt his market there um, to, to any of those teams. But in general, um, you know, they've had not much to, to look forward to either. Uh, Kansas City, I mean – Ben Intendi's really been the lone bright spot. Bobby Witts looked really good after he struggled to begin the year. Um, and then, you know, they just called up Vinny, what was it, Pasquantino? Or- Pasquantino. Pasquantino. That's a name I'm going to have to learn to say. Yeah. He's um, looked good, too. He, his stats aren't showing it yet, but he's looked good. He's only played 20 games. His, his numbers are going to come along. Yeah, and then they called up Nick Brado, and he looked pretty decent in the one series, like in, in the four games that he played in Toronto. Um but overall, I mean, you wanted to see more from MJ Melendez so far, and he's only batting 217 with a 309 on base. Um, you know, Whit Merrifield, 240 with a 292 on base this year. Just just not much to, to really talk about with the Royals. They just are the team that you mentioned has just let things pass them by and don't have any clear sign of really being, you know, anything in the near future um, yeah, without they don't some have wholesale a, changes. They don't have a timetable. Yeah. They're not – they're just kind of throwing stuff. Like, it's like that Ben Attendee trade made, they made last year. They're just kind of throwing stuff and trying to be a closer to 500 team every year instead of actually, like, trying to put together a full, you know, full rebuild and, and try to build up their, their team. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been interesting to see what they've been doing, to say the least. But 
Let's go ahead and jump over to the American League West now, where we have the Houston Astros leading this division at 59 and 32. You got the Seattle Mariners at 51 and 42, nine games back. The Texas Rangers at 41 and 49, 17 and a half games back. The Angels at 39 and 53, 20 and a half games back. And then the Oakland A's at 32 and 61, 28 games back. Yeah, so starting off. I th- and this might be a hot take with the way the Yankees are playing, but I think the Astros are the best team in baseball. They they don't have as many holes as the Yankees. I think that they don't have uh, – I don't think they have somebody quite as good as Garrett Cole, but at, at their start, top of their rotation, although Justin Verlander has been really good this year. I don't know if he's quite as good as his numbers have been so far, uh, but he's been great. Um, this team's been really good. And, and at the plate, I mean – they just their lineup has no holes in it. I mean, you got you run out there when when they're all healthy. Jordan Alvarez, Jose Altuve, Kyle Tucker, Jeremy Pena, Alex Bregman, Michael Brantley. I mean, every single one of those guys is over. Well, the lowest out of them all those is a 118 WRC plus from Jeremy Pena, and he's got 2.7 WAR, and he's been one of the best defensive players in baseball this year. So you know, you look at those guys, and then. Uh, you know, they could probably add another outfielder, definitely add a catcher. They might be a player for Wilson Contreras uh, when it's all said and done. But uh, they've been fantastic. The, the pitching staff, like I said, Justin Verlander has been just remarkably good after coming off Tommy John at age 39. Framber Valdez has been great, as he usually is. Um, you know, they do such a good job with their development of pitching. Christian Javier stepped into the rotation and been really good this year. You know, he was part of that no-hitter against the Yankees. and um, I'm telling you, this team is phenomenal. They really are. And, um, you know, as a team, they have a sub-3 ERA and a 113 WRC+, plus, which is well above average at the plate and on the mound. And not to mention the fact that they've been one of the best defensive teams in the league. So they've just been an incredible team, and um, they're fun to watch. Yeah, and then just a couple other pieces that's been good for them as well. Jake Odorizzi's returned recently, and he's had a pretty solid season. Um, and then in that bullpen, Rafael Montero's been yeah. really good. Hector Neris has been pretty solid. Ryan Presley's been what you you know have just come to expect from Ryan Presley. And then Ryan Stanick has been really good as well. I mean, a, a .57 ERA, even though the the FIPS a three fourteen, but still even then, um, you know that that you'll take that out of a bullpen arm all day long. They've been They've been really solid. I think the bullpen was the main thing coming into the year for what, for me, the main concern. Um, and they've really proven that that doesn't really matter that much. And and Verlander's looked great coming off Tommy John surgery and the pitching staff as a whole. You mentioned with Javier stepping in, um, you know, being mostly in a bullpen role last year, stepping in and being their third most valuable pitcher so far um, with, with war. And then none of this has Lance McCullers Jr. hasn't even pitched this year. And he will probably be making a return in the second half of the season close to the playoffs um if as a starter maybe even as a you know one of those bullpen arms that you come out and he'll just throw 37 curveballs against the yankees again um but they've been really good but the hottest team in baseball is in this division that's the seattle mariners winning 14 in a row and really vaulting themselves back into contention here they're in a wild card spot right now um I mean, even winning 14 games in a row, they're still nine games back in the division. So it doesn't look like they'll be making a division run. But it's been it's been really fun to, to watch what the, the Mariners make this turnaround, being led by uh, by Julio Rodriguez. Logan Gilbert's been really good. Um, George Kirby's been solid. I know they sent him back down, but he's expected to come right back up. Uh, and they've just had 
a feel good team, really. I mean, Ty France got back and he's been really good for them all year long. Um, just overall, this team's been fun to watch. Yeah. So um, looking at the Mariners, uh, you know, I remember at the beginning of the year, I said I thought that they would have a worse record this year, but they would be better than they were last year as a team. Well, they're better than I expected them to be this year. Um, I think that, um, you know, some of the guys that, that, that their farm system guys, I said all of them had to do really well when they came up. And, you know, some of them had to be start immediately immediate impact players when they came up compared to what typically happens, even with great prospects. And Julio Rodriguez has been that. Uh, 2.9 war. He's been one of the best players in the big leagues. 21 stolen bases and 16 home runs in just 91 games. First 91 career games is incredible. Um, you know, his plate discipline's been getting better. He started off striking out a lot. That's That number's come down. Um, he's looked really, really, really good at the plate. Uh, how about Eugenio Suarez? Nobody's talking about him, but it, it, he strikes out a lot. But, man, the, guy, the guy's been really good. A 127 WRC+. plus. He's hit 16 home runs as well. He's walking a lot. Uh, 336 on base. Uh, you know, 2.4 wins above replacement. He's played a really solid third base. He's actually been their second best player by war ahead of Ty France, who has, has missed some games and, and the defense really hurts him, but he's been really good. The 148 WRC was, there's just a lot of good outcomes on this team. I mean, I did not expect a guy like JP Crawford to come in doing so well. Um, you know, you look at, um, you look at a guy like, uh, Taylor Trammell and his 32 games, he's had a 125 WRC plus, um, you know, they've been great at the, at the plate. And then on the mound, the one thing that worries me with this team is they've been incredibly lucky on the mound. A 3.53 ERA compared to a 4.06 FIP is really, really, uh, you know, that's a, that's a lot of spread there. That'll probably come up some. But uh, Logan Gilbert's been really good. Robbie Ray started to look like himself uh, on the mound. Uh, his strikeouts are coming back up. He's at, he's at a 29% K rate now. Uh, you know, you look at uh, George Kirby, as you mentioned, He's a guy that I felt like would be an immediate impact arm at the big league level, and he has been. Uh, there is a little bit of concern with a couple of their pitchers maybe having innings limits that they'll go up against. I think that someone had mentioned that Kirby might end up not being able to pitch uh, you know, the full season without coming up too close to an innings limit. I'm not sure about that, but I'd kind of heard heard someone some people talking about that. But um, the bullpen's been really good. Andres Munoz, who was also in that – that trade for uh, Austin Nola. Uh, they traded Austin Nola for uh, Ty France and Andres Munoz. Well, Andres Munoz has a uh, 292 ERA and a 193 xFIP this year in 37 innings. He's been incredible. He's that super hard throwing right hander out of the bullpen. Um, they've just been a really good team. Uh, Paul Seawald's been good again out of the bullpen. Uh, these guys are good. I, I really think that they are better than the Red Sox, and I think they're better than the Rays. Uh, the Rays, if they get fully healthy, might be better. But I, I do think this Seattle Mariners team at this stage, they need to buy. And I think they're going to fill up a couple key pieces. They have a great farm system. And I think they're going to be in the playoffs come come uh, come October for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I, I feel they're going to be a sneaky team in on, um, you know, on in on the impact starters that are available. And then maybe even another bat. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them jump in. On, I mean, they've dealt dealt with the Reds before. I wouldn't be surprised to see them jump in on a uh, on a Luis Castillo, maybe even Brandon Drury trade, give them a little bit more flexibility, um, you know, with infield, outfield, with Drury, and then another top-of-the-rotation guy um, to go there. I think that would be a really good fit for yeah. them. Yeah, and watch out 
for the Seattle Mariners. I, this is no info that I've read or anything, but they're just in my opinion, this could be a team that is a lot more aggressive than people realize for Juan Soto, too. They have yeah. the farm to be able to do it, and I think they have enough financial flexibility uh, to take on, you know, like a Patrick Corbin contract to help get it done, too. So that that could be something that this team adds. Could you imagine an outfield with Juan Soto and Julio Rodriguez? Sure, home run derby final. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we'll, I know we'll talk about more about the Juan Soto next week, but it's going to be interesting to see what it, it takes to, to do that and what it would look like from the Mariners because I'm assuming you're going to have to part with some major league pieces, um, at least some uh, a major league younger guy, and I'm not quite sure who that would be for for the Mariners, if it would be a Kirby or, or what. But, you know, they've been a really fun team to watch. you got the Rangers who, I mean, they go through their stretches where they look really fun. John Gray's looked pretty decent as of late. Um, Marcus Semien and Corey Seager have really started to turn it on um, the last month or so and look like the players that were, you know, expected to, they were expected to be with their contracts. But this was a team we mentioned before the year. They just didn't have the pitching depth. They didn't have the depth in the, the lineup. Um, the bullpen wasn't that great. And it's just basically, I mean, I, th- I think they've outperformed what we expected them to at the moment. Um, if you had told me they were only going to be, you know, seven games under 500 uh, or eight games under 500 co- going into the all-star break, I would say that's probably, you know, five or six games better than what I would have expected. Uh, but, you know, they, they're a team that they're building for the, the next couple of years here and, and they should be aggressive, you know, in the off season. But at the moment, just nothing to look for there. Um, and then the Angels, a team that you know, I think I predicted to win the division. I thought they were going to be a lot better. Losing Anthony Rendon hurts. They've had Mike Trout has struggled as of late, um, especially. And just overall, the team just doesn't seem to to have it. I mean, they've had some good stories, and Patrick Sandoval's looked pretty good. Um, Otani's been incredible, like we expect him to be. Noah Syndergaard's been pretty pretty good as well. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets flipped at the deadline, even. Um, cause he's only on the one year deal, but overall, I mean, the angels just not, not been good this year. Yeah. You know, starting off, I just want to mention on the Rangers real quick that, um, you know, I, I think that they're, they're on about the pace. I kind of expected, I, I expected them to win about 70 games, but, uh, maybe, maybe a couple more than 70. Um, but, um, the Rangers are, uh, that the, the, the fact that, Corey Seager has a 124 WRC plus with like a 240 BABIP uh, is he's going to, he's going to, I think he's going to just go on a tear in the second half. And uh, there's been some good outcomes for the Rangers from some of their younger guys. Nathaniel Lowe has been, has been really solid at the plate. Uh, That's been a nice thing to see. He needs to work on his defense at first base some, but he's been good at the plate. Uh, You know, Adolis Garcia has looked a little less like he was a fluke last year. Um, you know, and uh, Marcus Simeon and uh, Corey Seager obviously have been as advertised this year. Although Corey, Marcus Simeon hadn't been quite as good as he was with the with the Blue Jays, he's still been good and he's getting better. But um, they're um, you know they have a lot of they have a lot of work to do on uh, you know to build depth on that team and they have a pretty good farm system, so they could maybe have some of that come internally as well. But um, you know, you talk about the Angels and it, it's just sad to watch their their guys waste away here. I mean. And, uh, you know, I'm starting to get a little bit – I'm a little bit worried about Trout going forward. Uh, he's been fantastic this year statistically. I mean, you look at his 270 average, 368 on base, 599 slugging, but the contact rate's starting to get a little bit scary for me. He's, he's really, really, really struggling to make contact right now. 
Uh, he's, his strikeout rate's up to 30%, and it's been getting more, it's been like progressively going up all season. Like his first month wasn't, it was kind of normal for him, and he's starting to, he's striking out a ton. Um, so I'm a little worried about that. And of course, he's injured again now, all of a sudden. Um, you know, Shohei Otani obviously has been fantastic. It'll be interesting to see if he ends up getting traded. I think that would be an offseason thing for sure, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But, I mean, this team's just got so many holes. I mean, you got three – Taylor Ward's been great this year. But other than those three, I mean, you got just nothing. And uh, pitching-wise, I mean, it's Shohei Otani. Patrick Sandoval's been solid beyond those two. I mean, Noah Syndergaard's been okay. Lorenzen's been okay. The bullpen's been horrible. Um, I mean, this team is just – this team's a mess. And I don't know – I was really, I've been really high on them the last couple of years, thinking that they just had some bad luck, whatever. They've been a mess, and I don't know when they're going to pull out of that. But uh, looking at another mess too, last team in the division, just to mention the A's, they're probably going to be moving a couple more pieces of the deadline. Although they don't have a whole lot left to move, uh, you might see Ramon Laureano go. I wouldn't be totally shocked to see them shop around Sean Murphy um, at the deadline, but I don't. I think that they're probably going to hold on to him just because they could probably, he, you know, he's been a little bit unlucky at the plate this year. I think he could end up having a better, uh, you know, a better season uh, next year um, and maybe maybe get more value for him. You kind of be selling low on him right now, but um, you know, the A's just don't have a whole lot there. So, yeah, the A's are just we've talked about there through the fire sale they've had this year, and then you know, getting ready to trade a couple other pieces. Like I expect Sean Murphy probably to get traded. Um, and even, maybe even Paul Blackburn, who's their all-star yeah. this year. Um, it wouldn't be a, a big shock to see them um, get traded there, but just not a lot to talk about with. They um, already traded They already traded their fourth-best position player who only played 56 games, Christian Bethancourt. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, you know, Montas probably gets traded, but he's yeah. been dealing with some shoulder stuff, so it's going to be interesting next couple weeks. He was supposed to return on the weekend, and then they push that back now to after the All-Star break. But I, he's going to probably get two starts before then, so he's going to have to show that he's truly healthy um, again for them to, to you know get the return they're wanting from there. But, I mean, over, they've had some some bright spots. Zach Jackson has looked pretty good. A.J. Puck has looked pretty good. Um, Sam Moles looked decent for them as well. Um, and then on the offensive side, Murphy's looked really good. Ramon Laureano's looked all right at 115 WRC plus other than that though just nothing has been encouraging yeah. with the A's but let's go ahead and move over to the National League East where you have the New York Mets at 58 and 35 leading the division you got the Atlanta Braves at 56 and 38 two and a half games back the Philadelphia Phillies at 49 and 43 eight and a half games back the Marlins at 43 and 48 14 games back and then the Washington Nationals at 31 and 63, 27 and a half games back. Yeah, so the Mets have continued to be really, uh, really solid. Um, they have, they're a team that they're really interesting because they put up really good at bats at the plate, don't strike out a lot, and they they put the ball in play. And uh, they've had, they don't have, they don't hit for a lot of power, but they've had really good outcomes at the plate so far. Um, you know, their pitching staff is really good. Um, you know, they've had Max Scherzer has come back from his IL stint, looked really good. Edwin Diaz is putting up one of the best seasons I've ever seen from a reliever. 
Um, he's been incredible. I know the ERA at 169 is obviously is incredible, but it's not like the best ever. But he's an 082 xFIP right now, and he's striking out over half the batters he faces. That's just insane. Um, you look at some of the other guys. Carlos Carrasco has been decent. Uh, Tywin Walker has been really good, actually. Um, so Chris Bassett's been all right. So um, this team, this team's been really solid. Uh, they definitely need some more bullpen depth, I think. Um, other than uh, you know Edwin Diaz, I mean Seth Lugo's kind of struggled at times. Um, you know, you look at maybe uh, you know a guy like uh, Adam Ottavino has been had has a good ERA. He's been pretty good for them. But uh, you know, it's like Tommy Hunter, Jolie Rodriguez, Adonis Medina, like some of these guys just aren't all that good. Drew Smith, like they've they've had a lot of guys pitching in their in their bullpen that probably don't trust too much. We'll see. Maybe Trevor May comes back at some point um, and and helps him out there. But uh, the Mets have been good. The Braves have just been on a heater ever since the start of June. Uh, they've been playing lights out. Um, you know the rotation's been great. Uh, Spencer Strider had a bad outing, his last outing before the All-Star break, but he's been fantastic. Max Freed's been great. Kyle Wright's been so underrated this year. Nobody's really talking about how improved he is. Uh, he's been good, and, and the bullpen has been really solid. Even Charlie Morton started to look a little bit better. He, he, had, he had a bad first half for his standards, but he's looked a lot better lately. Um, pitching staff's been great. The, the offense, the, you know, Dansby Swanson has been fantastic. Riley has been killing it. Um, you know, I think you definitely want to see Ronald Acuna Jr. starting to get going, but but Michael Harris has kind of saved this offense too this year. He's been really good. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, one other note with the Braves is that you know Spencer Strider's another guy, kind of like we talked about with George Kirby, that that you know maybe ends up coming close to an innings limit at some point where they might need to push push him to the bullpen. He's obviously got the stuff to pitch in the back end of the bullpen with his hundred mile an hour fastball, but. Uh, he, he might be another guy that's like that. And while we're mentioning pitchers not throwing a ton of innings, uh, you know, there's been talk about the Mets and Jacob DeGrom coming back soon. I forgot to mention it. Uh, there's been, he's been had a simulated game. He was supposed to pitch delayed a couple days because of shoulder soreness, which they say it's precautionary, but, you know, that's not a good sign in my opinion. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he ends up getting that remedied pretty soon. Yeah, I don't, I'm not too worried because he's just seemed – I mean, when he's had his, his starts, he's looked like the Jacob DeGrom. I mean, the stuff has been there and that. So I really do think it's probably just a little extra of the soreness there. Uh, I, I think he'll be back pretty soon with Jacob DeGrom there. But looking at the there, the Mets offense real quick, you know, it, overall, I mean, this team's offense has been really good. I mean, even with Luis Giorme, you're getting a guy who has a 119 WRC+. Plus. Uh, Mark Canna, 124. I mean, their top seven guys have... The lowest WRC plus there is Francisco Lindor, who's at a 117. He's been their most valuable player this year, which I know that's boosted by the defense. But he's having a, a decent offensive season. I mean, a 324 on basis, you know, you'd like to see that a little bit higher. But for a guy with the defense he gives you, I mean, he's been pretty decent at the plate. I mean, 16 homers and 66 RBIs from, from that guy. I mean, he's been pretty good. Uh, and then the pitching staff, I mean, they've been pretty decent overall, you know, for having lost Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom for a good portion of the season, being in the spot they're in, uh, should be extremely lucky. But the Braves, you know, they're a team that, I mean, they won the World Series last year. We've seen them, especially getting ready to come to the deadline, make Alex Anthopoulos has always made, you know, under the radar moves to, to help them, um, you know, last year especially. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them be an aggressive team at the deadline too, 
even if it's some under the radar guys. But Max Freed's look good. Spencer Strider, Kyle Wright's been a, a, a big, big help for them this year. Um, you know, with Charlie Morton struggling, Kyle Wright kind of stepped into the role of what you expect Charlie Morton to be. Um, and Spencer Strider's kind of stepped into the role you expected from Ian Anderson, who's really, really struggled this year. So the Braves, though, I mean, they're just a good team. I mean, they're they're going to be a hard team to beat in the playoffs. They're so stacked on that lineup, especially if Acuna starts getting going. Ozuna's there, Riley, um, Olsen's been you know good. They're going to get Ozzy Albies back, and the and then you look at their bullpen. Kenley's, I think he's back, isn't he at this point? He is. Um, so you're going to have Kenley. You're going to have AJ Minter down there. Uh, if you can figure out what's wrong with Tyler Matzik, and if he gets to throw in strikes and, and his velocity back. Overall, I mean, the team's just really, really good. Yeah, one other one other note for the Braves. Uh, Kirby Yates is throwing again. Yeah. So he might be another piece to add to the bullpen here in the second half. Yeah, and then looking at a team like Philadelphia, I mean, we've talked a lot about them this year. Um, you know, losing Harper really hurt, and I think that's what really takes them. I mean, I know they're, they're in the hunt right now. Um, where are they looking at the wild card standings? They're the last team, last team in. Um, kind of tied with the Cardinals just barely um, ahead by like 0.001 on their winning percentage. But losing Harper hurts. I don't know if you can really fill that void in with a, a deadline acquisition. I mean, I know I've heard them mentioned in an Andrew Benintendi, you know, possible trade or Michael Taylor. I mean, that's just to help fill a center field defensive gap. But overall, I mean, the defense still just isn't at, isn't there. They're not that great defensively. The pitching's been pretty decent. Bullpen needs a lot of help. And I just don't see that this being a team that can can make themselves good enough this year to be a real playoff threat, especially not having Bryce Harper in that lineup for you know probably the rest of the season. I mean, there's probably late September, but I just don't see it for them. And then the Marlins, they've been really good. Sandy Alcantara has been really good for them. Pablo Lopez has been really good. Um, Trevor Rogers has really struggled. Their big offseason additions of Jorge Soler and Avisel Garcia has really struggled. Um, Jazz Chisholm was looking like a breakout star for them. And then he's battled some injuries as well. Uh, and they're just they're a team that they're just not quite there yet. They need a little bit more of that pitching to develop from minor leagues and they need some of their hitters. Brian De La Cruz has not looked good since he's been up. Jesus Sanchez, uh, you know, expected to be an everyday player this year. Hasn't been that great for them either. And then I mentioned their other offensive guys that, you know, big offseason signings that haven't really you know filled that need for them so far. Yeah, I mean, the Marlins have been solid, um, you know, for the most part. They're pitching, like you said, the pitching's been good. Uh, Sandy Alcantara has been so good. Pablo Lopez has been really good. Um, you know, their bullpen's okay. I, I do want to mention, you know, Braxton Garrett is a guy who was picked real high in the draft a few years ago, dealt with a lot of injuries. He's come up and he's looked really good at the big league level. Uh, and uh, Jesus Lazardo is pitching again in the, you know, down in the minor leagues. He had looked pretty good before dealing with some injuries. But his stuff looked great to start the season, um, so that might be another guy to look out for with with the uh, with the Marlins going forward. But this is a team that you know they're not quite there, but they're in a little bit of a similar situation. To, you know, for me, is like like the Orioles are right now. Um, they're close. They got a great farm system. Max Meyer came up the other day and pitched his first big league game. Uh, they got a guy like Yuri uh, Perez in the minor leagues that's just rocketing up. Uh, prospect boards. I mean, they're a team that they've got some really good pieces coming, and they're already a pretty decent-looking uh, major league team right now. You know, they're a tough out at least, and um, 
So we'll see what ends up happening with them. I doubt they make the playoffs this year, but you know that might be a team to kind of look out for next year, especially I think they could replace the Phillies up there eventually because the Phillies, uh, you know, they're good this year, but they're uh, they have a lot of big contracts and they're aging a little bit too. They don't have a lot of youth, so we'll see what happens. And then obviously the Nationals just they're bad. I mean they were they're so bad. Every there's not a you know they have two good players on their team. They have a couple of young guys who are okay. Uh, Kybert Ruiz has actually looked really good behind the plate, which is an encouraging sign for them. Um, but I mean, they have two good players on their team, and one of them's going to get traded soon. So Both actually, all of them are going to get traded soon. I mean, yeah. can you imagine? Like, it won't be long. It's entirely possible that the best position player on the Nationals is Kybert Ruiz with a 1.1 WAR at the All Star break. Yeah, I mean, and an 84 WRC plus. So mm-hmm. man, and then the pitching wise, I mean. Pitching wise is barren as well. I mean, they just don't, they don't have anybody. I mean, Josiah Gray's stuff has looked pretty good 27% strikeout rate, but I mean, they're starting rotation and their bullpen's been bad, you know. So, um, and I don't know what to say about this team. These guys, th- these guys are really, really bad. And, and, uh, and this, this might be a real hot take, but they absolutely need to trade Juan Soto in my eyes. Uh, it makes no sense for them to try and sign him to a 14-year deal with all that money, with so much invested in Strasburg and Corbin as it is, and have your farm system be barren. And you have nobody to really trade to make that farm system be good outside of Juan Soto. So, like, if he were to sign that contract, where's the real avenue that they get Hell good? It. Because they have money already wrapped up. You're looking at a potential sale of the team in general anyways, and you have no good pieces You'll end up the Angels. Well, Eva, I don't even think it'll be them the Angels. Because, like, you already have your big money deals wrapped up so far. Well, the like, Angels did did too with, you know, like, holes on his bad contract for so long. And, I mean, they had, like, the Josh Hamilton contract and stuff. That held them back. And then you had Trout on his, like, $400 million deal. So, I mean, that... It, I mean, the Nationals, I mean, the, the, the fact, at the end of the day with, with Soto is that you know, you're not going to find a player that's cl- as cl- that's anywhere near as good as him. No, that's not, you don't need to. That my the, thing is, you need to you need to get as many young, talented pieces in that trade to start your right direction of your franchise. Like s- s- keeping Juan Soto is not going to do you any good. Like in five years, if you have a barren farm system and you're still one of the worst teams in baseball, like if you trade Juan Soto and you get four top prospects and two young players now, and you get off of Patrick Corbin's money, like you are set up in a better situation at that point than you would be signing Juan Soto to a 14-year, 15-year deal, whatever it is. And then where are you at from there? You have your three You have three big money deals on the books and no prospects. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, I think Juan Soto probably accepts that deal from another team. But I think he kind of understands that the nationals yeah. are going to be really, really bad if he stays there. I mean, yeah. and that there's really no, I mean, they, they won't be good even with a trade for, you know, of Juan Soto, the farm system's already bad. I mean, there's no depth. So they might end up getting, you know, three really high end prospects and, and a couple of major young major leaguers, but their pros, their farm system will still be mid tier at best. And they'll still have a horrible major league team so yeah, I mean, like you're not expecting them to jump from yeah a 20th ranked team so, to the first best prospect no like you just you have 
You have nothing so, right now. Yeah, well, I mean, I, 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 I agree. It's just, it's just one of those things where it's like the, the situation is just bad in general. I mean, regardless of which way you go, I mean, you're going to be bad for a long time. So uh, especially with even and, – and even for a team, I mean, the Nationals have run a pretty high payroll for a long time. And, you know, but but when you cripple yourself with deals like, like the Strasburg and Corbin deal, plus the fact that they play paying so much deferred money, like I think they're paying Scherzer $15 million for the next five years or something. Like that, that's just a bad situation. Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk more about that next week. We need to move on to the NL yeah. Central. Uh, and we got the Milwaukee Brewers there at 50 and 43, leading this division 50 and 44 with the St. Louis Cardinals only a half game back. Um, then you got the Pittsburgh Pirates at 39 and 54, 11 games back. Chicago Cubs at 35 and 57, 14 and a half games back. Then the Cincinnati Reds at 34 and 57, 15 games back. Yeah, this division is going to come down to the wire. I mean, both the Brewers and the Cardinals are kind of opposites. The Brewers have great starting pitching, especially when they're healthy, and a great bullpen. The Cardinals have a great lineup. Um, you know, it just kind of depends on which side wins out on that. Um, you know, the Brewers have had some kind of worrisome things lately. Josh Hader's actually looked really bad lately. Like, he was having like a historically good year, and then all of a sudden, he's he now has a 450 ERA on the season. Yeah. Um, it's pretty crazy. He's given up a lot of home runs lately. He's walking guys at a higher club. He's still striking everybody out, but, um, you know, but Brandon Woodruff, he's, he started to get going. His ERA's back under four. His FIP is 304. Corbin Burns is great as usual. Um, you know, Devin Williams has been great in that bullpen. Um, you know, we'll see if Freddie Peralta ends up coming back at some point. I'm not sure if he's coming back or not, but, um, you know, you're looking at their lineup and, I mean, it's Willie Adamas who is carrying their lineup again. Um, Victor Caratini's actually been really good at the plate, only 44 games, but he's been one of their better hitters. Uh, Keston here has been the weirdest player in the big leagues this year. Um, he's not going to keep that up. A 128 WRC plus with a 44% strikeout rate. In fact, I think they sent him to the minor leagues, but you just know he's not going to keep that that pace up with, with that strikeout rate. Um, and then, um, you know, they just – this team's just they're a very very average lineup with a, a a good pitching staff that doesn't have a ton of depth. So, um, but in this division that might be enough because the Cardinals have been struggling a little bit lately, um, and uh, the Cardinals pitching staff's not that great themselves. So, yeah, I think the Cardinals are probably the best team here in general. Yeah. Um, I, I think that they are they have a much better offensive depth there that. With Arenado and Goldschmidt, um, they should be able to, you know, they should be able to overtake the Brewers. You've got basically nothing from Tyler O'Neill this year. He's back now. Tommy Edmonds looked good. Dylan Carlson's looked better as of late. Um, you know, Nolan Gorman's looked pretty solid at a 120 WRC plus there. So I think the Cardinals, their team, I think they're going to be a sneaky, sneaky guy at the deadline too to make some impact move. Um, if it's offensively or if it's to add somebody else to this pitching staff. I mean, Miles Michaelis has been really good, a 245 ERA. Adam Wainwright just seems to, to never be bad, a 3 ERA this year. Dakota Hudson's been, you know, you would expect him to be better, but coming off of missing a full season, um, you know, a 410 ERA, it's not terrible for him. But you've got nothing out of Steven Matt so far, 37 innings, a 603 ERA. You really need to see something from him. They do need another piece in this this 
pitching rotation if they really want to compete with the Brewers. I think they have the lineup advantage and the defensive advantage for sure. They're, they're a really sound defensive team, but they just need to get somebody else in that rotation to, to be with Michaelis and Wainwright because Matt's um, – was Steven Matt's, Dakota Hudson, and Matthew Libertor have not been good this year. Yeah, and, uh, and don't forget, don't forget that – uh, Jack Flaherty's been bad and injured all year yeah, again. He, so. He's only pitched eight innings this year, yeah. and it he looks like he's got injured again, and they're not sure when he's going to come back now. So their bullpen's been really good, though. I want, um, Giovanni Gallegos and Ryan Helsley have been really good this year. I mean, Gallegos has three seventy five ERA, but a a three fourteen FIP and a three twenty nine ERA. I mean, you know, he's been really good. Junior Fernandez has been another guy only in thirteen innings for them. He has a point six eight ERA. Um, they, so they have some pieces there, but I think they just need another rotation arm there. And then the offense, I mean, they could add another outfielding DH bat. I mean, I know they have Pujols, but you can add another bat there, and I don't think anyone would blink an eye at it, um, it, it you know, given it's a, an impact bat. But overall, I mean, I think this team's the best team in this division probably. Yeah, I, I think so too. But uh, moving on, the, the other three teams here, uh, we won't spend too much time on them, but uh, looking at the Reds, uh, they actually have interesting pieces to trade. They're definitely going to trade people at the deadline. Um, you know, they've, 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 they've actually been not that bad since that horrific start. I mean, they've been bad, but they're not as bad as they, they started off. They started off, what was it, like 3-21 and 21 or something? And yeah, something like that. Since then, they've, you know, they're 34-57 and 57 on the year, so... Uh, since then, they haven't been all that bad, even though they've been bad regardless. Uh, but they, they, they'll probably move on from Luis Castillo. Uh, they'll probably move on from uh, Brandon Drury, who's, who's played himself into a pretty pretty decent trade candidate. Um, we'll see about Tyler Molly. Um, I think he's a guy who – I don't know if I wouldn't hold on to him but because he's, he's got a couple years of control left, but he probably still doesn't fit their timeline, so they'll probably move him as well. Uh, but they got, they'll definitely get some good pieces back for that. Um, the Cubs – Cubs are really bad. They don't have a whole lot of major leaguers. I, I don't think, um, you know, Wilson Contreras will get moved. Ian Happ will get moved. Um, I mean, you worry about some of their guys um, that, that are there now. I mean, Patrick Wisdom's just been okay. Um, you know, Seiya Suzuki has been a little bit polarizing, uh, but he's been back for a little while. He's okay. Um He's been awful defensively this year, but you know he's been he's been better, he's been okay at least. And then uh, pitching wise, their pitching staff is terrible. I will say that Keegan Thompson has really been been a little bit of a breakout guy for them, as, along with Justin Steele. Both of those guys have shown some promise going forward. But uh, Marcus Stroman signed that big contract. He's been very mediocre so far. Um, but we'll see what happens. They they do have some trade pieces though. And then the Pirates. Um, you know, there's some encouraging things for the Pirates. You know, you've got to see some of your guys get called up. Um, you know, we'll see maybe, um, you know, pitchers maybe get traded. I think Jose Quintana is definitely a guy that looks to be traded at the deadline. Um, you know, he's had a pretty good year, and, and there's a lot of talk about David Bednar as well. So we'll see what ends up happening with the Pirates. But, uh, you know, not a ton of guys for them to move on from, but uh, I could definitely see that. I highly doubt they move on for Brian Reynolds, but his name will be out there you know, until they lock him up. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Brian Reynolds did get traded if they got a good enough package. I mean, I know they said they want to build around him, but I'm still not quite sure how he fits their timeline. Um, you know, I just don't think they're going to be good enough in the next three years to really make that deal worth it. Um, 
I, you know, I would probably trade him now, but Bednar's probably going to get moved. Quintana is a guy who's absolutely going to get moved to the Pirates. They've shown some flashes. It's been good to see some of their young guys come up and, and at least get major league time there. Uh, looking at the Cubs, I mean, you mentioned their pitching staff is just bad outside of Keegan Thompson and the, in that rotation. You know, there's even been some rumors that maybe Stroman's a guy who could potentially be moved to the deadline. I don't see that happening, but there's been some rumors at least of it, and we're going to start seeing the rumor mill pick up over the next couple weeks. But they do have some bullpen arms that's pretty interesting. Scott Efrost is a guy who, or Efrost is a guy who could be moved. Um, David Robertson and Michael Givens are probably two guys that will get moved. Um, I, I could really see that. And then. I don't know. I could probably see a team maybe wanting to, to trade for a Wade Miley. I mean, if the Cardinals, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he's been, yeah. I mean, 19 innings, but he's been solid. I could just see him being a back of the rotation. Somebody that just wants a solid innings eater to get in there. If he's healthy. I mean, that's going to be the big thing. If he's healthy, I could see somebody trading for him. Uh, and Wilson Contreras, you would expect him to get moved, but you never know. I mean, there's been some rumors that they might want to try and sign him to a contract extension, but you would think that would have already happened. Ian Hat probably should be moved for the Cubs. Um, he, he's a guy who's been volatile before, and he's having his best season. He should probably get moved. Um, and then looking at the Reds, you know, Luis Castillo, Tyler Male, Brandon Drury, you mentioned guys who all absolutely should be moved um, at, at the deadline. I, I expect at least Drury and Castillo, but Male probably should be as well. You're not, he's probably at the height of his value at the moment as well. Um, just overall, though, you know, those bottom three teams, they're nowhere near competing. Uh, it's going to take, you know, a couple years probably for each of those teams to, to get into position at least. But jumping over to the NL West, you have the Los Angeles Dodgers at 60 and 30 leading the division. You got the San Diego Padres at 52 and 42, 10 games back. The San Francisco Giants at 48 and 43, 12 and a half games back. Colorado at 43 and 50, 18 and a half games back. And then you have Arizona at 40 and 52, 21 games back. Yeah, I mean, looking at the Dodgers, um, they've been really good this year. Freddie Freeman's been hot lately, uh, playing extremely well. Trey Turner's been great. Um, you know, Mookie Betts has been great. He's even missed some games, and he's still got a 3.3 war. Uh, the whole lineup's been been performing well. I mean, uh, Will Smith's been really good. Um, Gavin Lux has broken out to a certain level. You'd like to see him hit for a little more power, but but he's been great getting on base. Um you know, so, uh, you know, you obviously I think, um, you know, you're still worried about Cody Bellinger. I mean, he's been really, 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 really rough at the plate again. So um, but we'll um, we'll see what happens. Max Muncy is kind of such he's having such a weird year. He's, he's having a real similar year to what he did in that covid shortened year. Just an unbelievably low batting average on balls in play leading to a 160 average. But I mean, his strikeouts and, and walks are similar to what they always have been. And he's hitting for some power, at least nine home runs. So maybe the maybe the elbow's affecting him a little bit, but uh, you know, definitely, uh, definitely a guy that you look to maybe improve some as the season goes on. And then uh, you know, you look at the rotation. I mean, they've been missing Walker Bueller, um, and they've still been really pretty solid in the rotation. Not quite as good as they have been in the past, but Kershaw has been really good in his uh, when he's pitched this year. Only twelve starts, but he's been solid. Tyler Anderson's looked really good. Um, Tony Gonsolin, uh, he's really outperformed his peripherals, but the 202 ARA is really, really solid. Um, you know, Julio Arias is kind of the same way. Um, this is a team that, you know, their, their peripherals are on, uh, on the pitching side. There are some of the best in the big leagues, but they are outperforming them by a pretty good bit. 
Um, so we'll see if they end up uh, coming back to earth there a little bit. But, man, that offense is going to carry them regardless. They, they're just a really, really, really good team. Yeah, the pitching depth is really going to be the key for them. I mean, they've lost Walker Buehler. Andrew Heaney's been, uh, you know, only started three games for them. He's supposed to be nearing a return. Um, you're going to get Dustin May back at some point. He started to, to pitch his first rehab games after the Tama John surgery last year. Uh, and then the bullpen depth has really been tested. I mean, Evan Phillips has been really good for them. Craig Kimbrell, I mean, if you look, he has a 435 ERA, but a 195 FIP. Like, he, as of late, he's been really good. He had a horrendous, horrendous start. Um, and then the, a big blow-up game against San Diego when he got hit with a, a pitch in the back. But outside of that, he's been pretty solid. Daniel Hudson, they've lost uh, for the year with a torn ACL. Bruzdar's been injured and on the IL right now. Um, so the, the bullpen's going to be a, a concern for them. They're going to need to get another guy there. But there's not much this team can do. I mean, on the offensive side, you mentioned Bellinger. You've mentioned Muncy struggled. Justin Turner, I mean, he's he really struggled for a good part of the season. He just last couple weeks, he's really heated up. Um, there but they've got good contributions from you know trace thompson and jake lamb i mean they've had some some really good games and and contributions from them but looking over at the padres i mean 10 games back there they're nearing the return of tatis um probably it's looking at late august at this point uh, middle august to late august he's keeps getting some he gets keeps getting mris and some progress and then swinging that and then now some are saying that they don't like what they're seeing but that it's still some progress. So who knows what's going on there. But, I mean, overall, the team has been you know, good. Musgrove has been really good for them. A 2.42 ERA, 3.08 FIP. Hugh Darvish has been, you know, his ERA is 3.41 and his FIP's a 3.44. You'd probably like to see that be just a, a tad better for Darvish. But, I mean, you can't really complain. He's striking people out, not walking as much, which is a big key for him, as long as he doesn't walk guys. Sean I has been pretty decent. Um, you know, but you'd, you'd like to see him be better. You know, he has a 4.11 ERA and a 4.07 FIP. That's like number five starter. You want to, he's kind of your number three. Um, Clevenger's came back and he's looked solid um, as well. Blake Snell's really struggled. He's had some some good starts, but he's really been struggling this year, especially with the command. Five walks per nine. Mackenzie Gore looked really good to start the year. Um, he's kind of fallen back lately, and he's almost up to you know over four and a half walks per nine as well. Um, so they're going to be a team that I think could make a, a pitching move. I even wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe trade Blake Snell away and acquire another pitcher. Um, and then on the offensive side, they're a team that has been looking for an outfielder. Um, you know, there's been some rumors that they could be interested in Joey Gallo, um, maybe trading for him or Brandon Drury. But, I mean, Jake Jake Cronenworth has been good for them. Manny Machado. Profar has been pretty solid, a 114 WRC+. Plus. Nomar Mazar has actually been a really good story for them. In 36 games, 122 WRC+. Plus. It's a really good team. They just need some more around the edges. You need Tatis back, um, you know, playing themselves into a 10.5 game or a 10-game hole against the Dodgers right now. Even though you play each other nine times in September, I just don't know if you're going to be able to make up that gap. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the Padres are struggling right now, and I just don't see, I just don't see where this team can – I feel like they're outperforming already what they what they are right now without especially without Fernando Tatis Jr. But they've traded away so many pieces that would have made this team really good. I mean, this is the prime example of a team that that got way too aggressive. Uh, with you know, they traded away Ty France and Andres Munoz for Austin Nola. Austin Nola's been bad for them this year. 
Like they, you know, they the pieces they traded for Blake Snell. I, I don't even know if they've been good, but Blake Snell hasn't. Um, you know, you look at like, I mean, it's been this team's been this team's looking pretty rough um, right now. Just when it comes to the the, the the amount of talent and stuff on the team, you know, uh, obviously, um, you know, their their record's still good. I think they still have a chance, especially if Tatis comes back. But um, you know, we'll see. And then, uh, but moving on, looking at the Giants, forty-eight, forty-three so far this year. Um, you know, they've had some pretty good outcomes. Their their best position player by WAR has been Austin Slater, believe it or not. Um, but they've been, um, you know, they've been solid. Um, you know, Jock Peterson's had a great year at the plate. Um, he's his defense holds him back with him being a left fielder slash DH when he is in left field, he's not any good out there, but a 135 WRC plus the pitching staff's really their key though. They've been so good on the mound. Carlos Rodon's been incredible. Logan Webb's been incredible. Alex Wood has been really, really good. His ERA is high, higher than his, you know, his peripherals, but this team's big calling card or this team that so far this year, their defense has been horrendous. Uh, I mean, you're looking at like a defense that based on Fangraph's numbers, minus 46, 47.6 defensive value compared to the Phillies who we've talked about all year at minus 22. I mean, they're, they, so far defensively, they've been twice as bad as the Phillies. I mean, you're looking at a lot of aging players probably p- playing into that, but, but man, that, that is really, really, really rough. So, you know, we'll see if they can figure out a way to improve that some, but um, you know, this is a team I think it's probably better than the Padres, but they just, you know, so far haven't been as good. So, yeah, I, I probably still think that the Padres are a better team, but this is sort of what I expected the Giants to be last year. Um, I know I've said that multiple times throughout other episodes, but they're just, I didn't think they were that good last year, and they've kind of backed that up this year. Um, I know it's really been a steep drop off in defense, but I just think the overall the, the offensive players that they had last year. Uh, losing Buster Posey, you weren't expecting Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford had the same years they were having, uh, or as they had last year at least. And then on the pitching side, I mean, you lost Kevin Gossman, you got Rodon, so that kind of washes it out there. But I, uh, Anthony DiSclefani, who was a big piece for you last year, has been bad when he's pitched this year, and he's out for the year. Now, Alex Wood, I mean, he's struggled at times, but, you know, he, he's kind of just been that four or five guy. I just feel like overall this team just – it wasn't that good last year. They overperformed, and I feel like they're at the numbers they should have been at last year now. Um, but anyways, moving on to the to the last two teams. You got the Rockies there. Uh, you know, you've had really good years from C.J. Crone, and uh, Charlie Blackman's been pretty solid. Connor Joe's been really good. Jose Iglesias, I mean, I know he only has a 97 WRC+, plus, but a, a 301 average and a 340 on base for a guy who plays the type of defense he does is, is really solid. If you can get anywhere close to league average, I think that's really valuable. Um, Brendan Rogers had a really good start to the year. That's really fallen off lately. And then you've got Chris Bryant back. He's looked pretty good when he plays. I mean, 33 games. Sure. He only has four homers, but a 302 average 366 on base, a 119 WRC plus. It's all about just letting him play some more. He'll get acclimated in Colorado. Um, and be just fine. The pitching staff has, has really been the issue for them, which is normally the issue there. Chad Cool has been probably their brightest spot at a 411 ERA this year, but a 446 FIP. Kyle Freeland's been bad. Anthony or Antonio Sensatella has not been good either. Herman Marquez has the worst graded fastball in baseball now. Um, overall, I mean, they just not many pieces here on the pitching staff that give you much hope. 
Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like Daniel Bard uh, be traded at the deadline for uh, for something. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that, like like you said, I think you hit the nail on the head with most of it. But, um, you know, uh, Chris Bryant's starting to get going since he came back from his injuries. It's, it's pretty encouraging for them. They signed him to a huge contract, and he re- they really need him to play like it. Um, and, he, and he has, uh, since he's come back from the IL, um, you know, he started off really slow. And I wonder if part of the slow start was dealing with injuries a little bit. And then, you know, maybe he's fully healthy now. Uh, but you look at, uh, you know, like you mentioned, the pitching. I mean, there's just not a lot there. I mean, obviously, we, you know, when you're looking at Colorado, um, you never know with, you know, like Kyle Freeland has been, you know, just he's been okay. But, you know, he's got a 450 FIP. You don't know that might be a full run lower if you're in another ballpark. I mean, uh, you just never know with Colorado and how their pitching works. But I will say that Tyler Kinley is a guy who's been extremely good. He might be somebody they could move at the deadline. I know he's a, a – young when it comes to big league experience but a 174 fit a 0.75 era in 24 innings um really really solid 27 percent strikeout rates really nice uh he's 31 years old so he's probably not a part of their long-term plans uh and you look at maybe um like you said daniel bard he's outperformed his peripherals in cores so i would move him as, as soon as you can but uh you never know what the rockies are going to do i mean they're one of those teams that they tr- they're trying really really hard to compete every year because they're signing guys in the offseason, put signing big contracts, but they're just not good at it. So it's just hard to say what ends up happening with them. But um, you know, uh, we'll see. And and they're also so unpredictable when it comes to the trade deadline. I mean, they didn't trade their guys last year that were on expiring contracts, and they got nothing for them. So um, I mean, it's you know, especially John Gray, who they didn't even offer a comp uh, a. a uh, a qualifying offer to which was weird so i mean this is a team that, that they, they make some weird choices but um we'll so we just never know what's gonna happen with them yeah and then looking at the last team in the division you got the arizona diamondbacks they've had some good stories i mean christian walker 22 homers this year a 188 babbitt and a 204 average 319 on base that's not great but a 115 wrc plus still he's been about on average to a slightly above average defensive first baseman would be surprised if some team takes a risk on him as well at the deadline if they're willing to move him. Um, Cattell Marte and Josh Rojas have both had you know pretty good seasons for them. You would expect a little bit more from Dalton Varsho. I think he's really struggled, especially as of late, only having a 299 on base percentage. Um, David Peralta, you know, just kind of been exactly what you'd expect there. Um, Carson Kelly really struggled to start the year. He's looked a lot better as of late. The last month, batting 283 with an 880. Um, on OPS at least. So, I mean, they have some pieces on the offensive side that show some hope. They're going to probably get Corbin Carroll um, probably at the end of the season, if not next year, but they're top three uh, in the offensive side with Corbin Carroll, Drew Jones and Jordan Lawler. Now in that farm system is, is a really good start. And then looking at the pitching staff, you got Merrill Kelly. who has been pretty good this year. 326 ERA, a 333 FIP. Uh, Zach Gallen, a 356 ERA, a 399 FIP. Uh, Zach Davies has been, Kind of what you'd expect from Zach Davies, actually, right around a four ERA, just slightly above four on the FIP. Joe Mansupplies had a really good year for them, um, really broken out as, as a mainstay in that bullpen. Bum Gardner has a 388 ERA and a 459 FIP. I mean, you want that to be better, but at this point, if you get that from Bum Gardner, if, you, if, if he could bring that FIP down a little bit, I think you'd take it. Overall, I mean, just in the pitching staff, you would expect some of these guys to be a little bit better. Luke Weaver, the FIP 
is really low at a 289 and an 878 ERA, so that's going to take a step back. But that that top of the rotation, at least, has shown some signs of hope, at least for them. But I wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like Merrill Kelly potentially be moved. Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting team. Uh, definitely, I would definitely move Merrill Kelly. You know, even if you've got some control with him, he's 33 years old, so I'd go ahead and move him. Uh, you know, look at a couple other guys. You look at maybe a you know uh, Joe Mantiply might even get moved. He's 31. I know he's got a lot of control, but you know, 31 year old reliever, I'd probably move him as well. Uh, he could probably fetch you something in return that's at least interesting. Um, you know. It'll be interesting to see what this team does. They do, like you said, they have a lot of really good uh, prospects. And man, I, I Christian Walker. I mean, that is a crazy stat line with him. A 115 WRC plus with a sub 200 batting average on balls in play. His plate discipline numbers are really good, and he's hitting for a lot of power. He's hitting the ball really hard. I think he could go somewhere. And he's also been as for a first baseman. He's been a great defensively too. So. Um, I, I would be I would be surprised if he got traded somewhere and then absolutely took off for whoever he gets traded to. Uh, and Cattell Marte is kind of weird. You know, he's had a great year offensively. Um, you know, 127 WRC plus. Uh, he's been, um, you know, he's, he's walking a lot more than he ever has, but his defense has been really rough, So, which is kind of unusual for him. I, I don't think he's been a great defender in his career, but he hasn't been a really bad defender necessarily. Uh, so... Um, you know, that's definitely kind of interesting to look at. And, you know, defensive metrics can be kind of um, wacky sometimes. So, you know, maybe Cattell Marte's, uh, maybe he'll flip that around a little bit. And oh, I, I this know team, he was dealing with a hamstring injury yeah, too. Might have, that might have worked. Out. And he might be DHing some too, might might, might affect yeah. that. But in general, I mean, um, overall, I mean, looking at the each each side here i mean there's definitely going to be some good division races the al central the central really divisions are going to be good races the NLEs could potentially be a really good race as well depending on if jacob de comes back and what the braves are able to do with the deadline if they do do anything um there and then looking at the wild card races in, in both sides you know right now for the american league you have four teams under four games out in the wild card and then in the national league you know, it's it's really down to, I mean, San Francisco's half game out and then Miami's five and a half games out there um, with the Cardinals pretty much tied with the Phillies. So it's going to be interesting to see if, if any of those teams do anything at the deadline to try and push themselves up. But really, it's going to be divisions in the National League and then I think the wild card and even a, a division in the, uh, in the American League. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, I think this is going to be fantastic uh, coming down the stretch. I think you're definitely going to see the NL East be a, a crazy division race between two big rivals, uh, both the central divisions, like you said. I think Brewers-Cardinals is going to be another similar uh, great race between two division rivals. Uh, the AL Central is just crazy between three teams, and you just have no idea what's going to happen there. I think that the, um, the wild card in the NL – I think it's going to be a good race between two or three teams. I think you look at like the Giants, Padres, Phillies, and um, you know, and Cardinals all being really close together for three spots. Uh, I wouldn't be totally shocked if the Marlins found a way to get close-ish, but I don't think they're going to have really a, a major chance. So, uh, but looking at the AL, the wild card race in the AL is going to be pretty wild as well. You've got the three teams from the American League East. I think that they'll battle with the with the mariners and um maybe a team from the al central gets hot i I mean if the twins or the white Sox 
I think the White Sox are probably going to win some games going down the stretch. So, you know, whichever team finishes second there might have a chance. I don't think the AL West third place team is going to be anywhere close. But one of those AL East teams is going to be really disappointed to not make the playoffs this year with the amount of money that they spent in the offseason. Yeah, I would be. I want the Mariners to make it, but I'm also here for the chaos to see four AL East teams make it. I mean, Boston's only two games out right now of Toronto. I mean, only three games behind Seattle. If Seattle does start slumping there and Boston's able to do something and you get all three AL East teams in wildcard spots, that'd be pretty insane. Uh, just from a, from a standpoint of, you know, looking at it and having four teams from one division make it, it's incredibly unlikely because they have to play each other a lot, but it would be pretty fun to see at the end of the, at the end of the season, if that was the case, but it, it's going to be some fantastic races. Uh, down the stretch, we'll we make sure to keep you guys filled in on that. Next week, we'll have a trade deadline uh, preview. We're actually going to be recording on Wednesday next week uh, instead of our normal Tuesday. And then we'll preview everything with the trade deadline, what rumors we're starting to hear, what rumors we're starting to see, if any trades. I wouldn't be surprised to see trades start picking up in the next week even for some teams wanting to jump ahead of the deadline. Um, and then two weeks from today, you're going to have the trade deadline. And uh, we'll record late that night and have everything – uh, all the trades in place for that one. So some uh, some big, long episodes coming up over the next couple weeks here from the Batflip podcast, because it's going to be pretty fun. You got anything else you want to wrap up on, Matt? Uh, not a lot. Um, like you said, I think the trade deadline this year, I think it's gotten a lot crazier. It looked like it was going to be maybe a fairly tame deadline, but with the Soto news, and I mean, I think it's going to be wild. Um, I, um, I think that... Um, you know, it's really going to shape some of these races. I think you look at um, you look at baseball in general having a good year. Um, you know, I, I'm excited. The All Star Game. There's been a lot of good talk just all around about the All Star Game. Um, you know, kind of the general public, a lot of people watching it that that aren't you know mainstream baseball fans, which is pretty cool. Um, and I'll say, um, you know, I was, I was also you know just the going to throw out I, i'm going i'm going to the braves game on saturday and man i was i'm, I'm excited because they're they're playing the angels and i cannot wait to see shohei otani play he's pitching friday so i'm going to miss his pitching performance by one day but i uh i'm really really excited to get to see shohei otani play I'm, I'm really disappointed that mike trout's not playing the angels only go to atlanta like once every six years or something until the schedule change uh but i have got to see mike trout before i was actually at the last game that the angels played the braves in atlanta which is kind of crazy but um they um it'll be interesting to see what happens there but man i mean i'm just so excited to get to see somebody like shohei otani play baseball I, I can't wait yeah it's gonna be pretty fun um but that's pretty much gonna wrap it up for this episode of the bat flip podcast thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next week thanks everybody